0: Good morning, Poplar Springs. Baptist Church. Oh, in the Bahamas, we could do a will do better than that. Good morning, Poplar Baptist Church. Good for me to be back here with you today. And um, my wife and I, Bridget, are visiting and um, the United States for about two months. Uh, the Pastor Jeff says, we have four children. And we are going to be, when we leave here, visiting each of them. So we're going to drop by. I heard a preacher say once that he had, um, he had licensed, a Baptist preacher, he had licensed many sons, and he had a dream that one day in retirement he'll get an RV and travel to each one of them, preach for them on Sunday, and each one of them will give him $1,000. And my wife and I only pray that could happen to us when you go visit our children. Let me leave, they get a $1,000, but I don't think that's going to happen. But we're just going to be grateful to see them and enjoy our grandchildren uh, and um, uh, just uh, spend time with them. But again, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for the leadership uh, through the instrumentality of uh, Brother Dave that uh, we are able to be here with you this morning and to just share with you uh, from the Word of God and i um, just share a little bit about our ministry. Uh, you did a very wonderful job in your bulletin describing what we do. Um, I've been saved since uh, August 5, 1979. Uh, went into the ministry uh, in the early 90s. I uh, was an itinerant evangelist in the Bahamas. And we've been doing that over 30 years now. Actually, 30 years this past year. Uh, We celebrated our 30th anniversary as an ordained preacher of the gospel. And so we are grateful to the Lord for that wonderful opportunity to be able to travel the islands of the Bahamas and wherever God has opened doors to share the gospel, to minister to people, to encourage his people. And uh, we were able to link up with an organization called Caribbean Ministries Um, In 19, um, no, 2008, uh, they came to the Bahamas. Before that, they came to Grand Bahama, where I lived, and I got involved in the program. Uh, Caribbean Ministries is the ministry that comes alongside the local church to equip the saints in ministry, teaching things like doctrine, Bible study methods, um, um, preaching biblical messages, all the Major doctrines of the Bible just to equip God's people in their faith. Uh, we don't start churches, we just come alongside the church. And so, Caribbean ministry is involved in, uh, like I said, in the Bahamas and on, on three islands Eleuthera, Grand Bahama, where we are from, and the island of Abaco, as well as St. Martin's down south in the Caribbean, as well as trying to develop other um, connections. We have a ministry, one of our missionaries, Carl Most, that goes into Cuba at least twice a year, uh, carrying um, food stuff, medication, as well as training and equipping young people in the church there in Cuba. And so you can pray for Caribbean Ministry Association. They're located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our director is Paul Voss, along with the board, and so remember them. And so I'm in the Bahamas working in Freeport and trying to extend the ministry there as well as continuing our itinerant ministry from island to island where God opens doors and we're able to share and minister God's word. And so we are grateful to the Lord again for being here, for being here now. For us, as I said to um, Pastor Jeff, in the Bahamas, anytime the weather gets into the 60s, that's considered a blizzard. (laughs) So... uh, this type of weather, because you, you could imagine my wife and I run from the hour where we are staying to the car, turn on the heater, and take off. we are going anywhere else, you run from the car into the building, so you know, we must love our children a lot to be able to go through all of this. But we are grateful, we are grateful. And so I want to share with you this morning um, from the book of um, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And I want to read and actually let's back up a little bit. Let's go into chapter 11 beginning at verse 27 because I'm going to be referencing this section as well. And now these are the generations of Terah. Terah we got Abram Nahor and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. Verse 29, and Abram and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Melkar, the daughter of Haran the father of Melchah and the father of Ischah. But Sarai was barren. He had no children. Verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them unto Ur of the Chaldees. go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran, and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed. Out of Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gathered in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of mare and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord, and Abram journeyed, going on still, towards the south. The Lord had a blessing to the reading of his holy and precious word. Amen? Amen. Amen. When God calls. When God calls. So he was told of a little boy playing with a friend his friend on the outside of his home, under his father's study. And as they were playing, the mother called, Jimmy! And Jimmy didn't respond So his friend, said, did you hear your mommy calling you? Your mother calling you? He says, yes, I hear her, but she's not ready for me yet. And the father sitting in the study hears this. Five minutes later, Mother calls again, Jimmy! The friend said, Your mother called you. She said, She's not ready for me yet. Third time, she called, Jimmy! friend stopped and looked at him, Your mother's calling you. She's not ready for me yet. All of a sudden, with a high pitch, Jimmy James! How I many of you know when your parents get serious and when they call you, your boat, your boat, um, second and last, first and last name. You know they're serious, right? And he says, now she's ready for me. Now she's ready for me. And he goes in to his mother and he responds. I believe the little boy in the story, uh, like the little boy whose mother's been calling him and calling him and calling him. God's been calling us. He's been calling you. He's been saying, come, follow me. He's been saying, I have something for you to do. And he's been calling some of us, maybe one or two of us in here, who have never experienced salvation. He's been calling you to come to experience his son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of your sins, to be born again, to experience new life, to come to know that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. But you've been putting it off, been putting it off, been putting it off. But he has been calling Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. But you have been ignoring that call. And one day, like the mother in this story, God is not only going to raise his voice. God is going to raise his hand in judgment and wrath. And so it's better to come now before God raises his voice. Before God raises his hand in wrath and judgment on you. And so God has been calling you. You need to respond to the message of the gospel. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. But for those of us who are saved here, and who know Christ as Savior and Lord, he's been calling us to a life of sanctification and service. Yes, we are saved and we know we are saved. But God now is not saying, I want you to live a separated life. I want you to live in such a way that when people see you, they know, like the disciples of old, that you had been with me, that you have been with Jesus. I want you to live in such a way that people know that there's something different about you because the Spirit of God is working on your heart and in your life, showing that there is a difference in that person by your speech, by your actions, They know you've come up from among them and you're living a holy life for God. And then God is calling us to serve him, to serve him in the capacity in which he has gifted each of us. If you are a believer here today, you have at least one spiritual gift and God wants you to use that for his glory and for his praise. But maybe you have been ignoring that call as well. And so his call is for us to serve him. And there are things in the local church that needs to be done. There are ch- things that God wants you to affect in your community. And that he's a gifted you to do such a work. But maybe you've been ignoring his call. You've been ignoring his call. And one day God will have to chasten us. Chasten you, chasten me because of that fact. We have been ignoring him. And so God calls and he wants us to respond. And like this story of Abraham, God calls this man. And in James chapter 2 and verse 3, Abraham is referred to as the friend of God. But that friendship began when he responded to the call of God to leave his family, leave his country, to go to a land that God would show him. And I want to focus on this call to Abram and make some observation to encourage our hearts to challenge you and I as we live for God and we fulfill God's call in our lives. He's calling and so notice with me the kind of call God made to Abram. When God calls, first of all, let's look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It was a divine call. The text says, Now the Lord had said, The Lord had said to Abram. Now, up to this point in human history, There were not many people who could say that the creator, the sustainer of the universe had spoken, let alone had spoken to them. Let alone had spoken to them. It's one thing to get a call from a monarch. It's one thing to get a call from a president. It is one thing to get a call from a prime minister. It is one thing to get a call from a celebrity or some, um, you know, athlete or celebrity that we hold in high esteem, or maybe our favorite athlete. But it's quite another thing to get a call from the sovereign God. The God to speak to your hearts by the Spirit through his word, or even use an individual to speak to your heart. It is precious. I could remember the days of the NBA draft. Maybe some of you are sportsmen like to watch sports like me. And uh, usually the athletes was at home, and they, on the NFL draft, they, they were sitting by the phone waiting to get that call. And when they got that call, they were all excited that they got the call from their, any team. doesn't matter. Some of them might have had their choices, but just getting drafted by an NBA or an NFL team brought excitement to them and to their families. But that don't seem to be the thing among God's people. We don't get excited about God's calling us and God's hand upon our own hearts and lives. That the sovereign God of the universe is interested in you and in using you and in using me. He calls. I remember back in 1992 or even before that when they were selecting the dream team. I don't know if you saw the documentary of the dream team when they went to the 92 Olympics. One of the athletes, one of the persons was Carl um, Malone. And they were interviewing him about getting the call. He said, you know what? doesn't matter if I got the call first in the middle or I, I was the last one to call. The fact was I got the call. I got the call. They called me. It doesn't matter if I was the last one they called. I am on the team. They called me. God has called you, is calling you. are you ignoring his call? It's a divine call. You will never get a more important call than God's call in and upon your life. No matter what president, no matter what dictator, no matter what prime minister, you will never get a greater call than when God calls you. Salvation, sanctification, the service. Not only was it a divine call, let's go back to the text. It was a personal call. Now the Lord God had said unto Abram, unto Abram. When God calls generally, he calls individuals. He speaks to our hearts individually. Abram was called as an individual, but we know that his call affected his family. He was called, as I said earlier, to salvation. How do you know that, Brother Kevin? Well, when you go to the book of Genesis, uh, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, listen to what Joshua says about the family line of Abram. And Joshua said unto all the people, thus said the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwell on the other side of the flood in old times, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nehor, Nehor, and they served other gods. Abram was an idolater, idolater. He was, his father was, he was. And God called him out of that to come and serve the true and the only living God. And as I said earlier, God is calling you today to experience his salvation of you willing to forsake your idols. If you're willing to acknowledge that you are a sinner and you need a savior, he is saying, come unto me. If you're willing to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He had to call. It was a personal call that Abram had to respond to. No one could respond to the call of God in your life but you. Your father can't do that, your wife can't do that for you, your husband can't do that for you. You have to respond to God's call. Whether it be in salvation, whether it be in sanctification, you and I have it is a personal call. Have you responded to the call of salvation? Have you responded to the call of sanctification? Have you responded to God's call to serve him with all your might? Have you responded? It's a personal call. It's amazing how God speaks to us. And he calls us. That's why each of us can have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. Because it's a personal call. Personal. Nothing gets more personal than the call of God on your life and mine. The divine call is a personal call. But also, it was a challenging call. I take you back to chapter 12. And verse 1, note what the text says. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Abram was being called to leave all that he knew, all that was dead to him. He was being asked to leave the land of his birth, it says, his country. He was being called to leave relatives he had grown up with, your kindred. He is being asked to leave siblings, parents, your father's house. But if that was not enough, (laughs) he didn't even know where he was going. The text says, unto a land that I will show you, that I will show you. And so if he was asked by his family and friends, Abe, where are you going? Where are you taking your your Sarai? Where are you going? He couldn't answer them. He couldn't because he didn't know. God said, I will show you. That's a challenge to just take up your family and just say, God has called us and we're going. It's a challenge. He couldn't answer. Let me ask you, what would you have done? What would you have done? What would you do if God says, I want you to leave Poplar Springs. I want to take you down to South America. I want you to go and represent me and work for me. What would you do? Would you have left all in obedience? Would I have left all in obedience? It was a challenging call. And when God calls, it is challenging. Do you know that God is still calling for his people to follow him at all costs? Then said Jesus and his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. We must be willing to lose that you and I might gain. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and fall after me is not worthy of me. And the call is to make him our first priority. Abram, get out of your country Move away from your kindred. Move away from your father's house. It was a challenging call. And God is still challenging his people today to be willing to follow him at all costs. Are you willing? Am I? Christianity has become so soft today. It's a challenging call. And he's still challenging us. To put him first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he says, when you and I do the thing that we are going after and we think we need, he says, I will add. I will add all the necessities of life. All of it. All of it. So it was a divine, personal, challenging call. When God called it is challenging. But God is a gracious God, you know. Not only was it those type of call, but it also was a repeated call. Notice in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said. When you go back up into chapter 11, we, I read to you how it says that Abram or Tirah, verse 31, Took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go up into the land of Canaan. And so when they initially left the Ur of the Chaldees, Mesopotamia is another name for it, they were heading into Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they stopped. And I believe this, God, God had made this call. God had said, Abram, come. Come out. And was said, "But if you go in, we all going. And so by the time we get to chapter 12, I believe God is making a, a second call. I had called you, now I'm calling you again. Respond to my call. And when you go to Acts chapter 7, to, to strengthen this whole idea that this might have been the second call, listen to what Stephen says to the, to the leaders of Israel as he was giving his message and challenging them about their following God and the type of men they were. Then said the high priest, Acts chapter one, chapter 7, verse 1, Are these things so? And he said, Men and brethren, fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Sharon. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of Chaldean, of the Chaldeans, and dwell in Sharan, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into the, this land, wherein now you dwell. Just, a, just as a side thing here, the Palestinians, say that's their land? No, the Jews were there first, way before them. It's their land. Historically, it's theirs. Let me get back on track. And so God brought them in. And the second call, it was a repeated call, calling Abram to leave everything. But he allowed himself to be distracted and ended up in some ended up somewhere else. It was a recruited call, I believe, because Abram was delayed by his father. The word tira means delay. And sometimes we're going to let people delay us from responding to the call of God. Do you know many this day, yesterday, today, should have responded to the gospel, but because they're They are living with someone because they think what someone was going to say or do that they said no to the call. You and I need to be careful that we don't delay our obedience to God because of someone. Delayed, Delayed obedience is still disobedience. So, my question is, what has God been calling you to do? And you've been putting off. It was a repeated call, not only because he was delayed by his father, but he was distracted by what he found in Haran. Verse 31 of the text tells us, chapter 11, tells us that they went down into Haran, Abram, and into the, Ar- Ar- the Chaldees, and they got into Haran, into this place. And maybe when they got there, they got into business. Maybe things were prospering that he got distracted because of it. Because when we get into chapter 4, uh, what we don't see in chapter 11, when we get into chapter 12 and verse 4, we see all of a sudden, this man, verse 5, I'm sorry, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his father's son, and all their substance, That they had gathered and the souls they had gotten in Haran, they were there working and prospering. And sometimes because of prosperity and um, what we are accumulating and what's happening in our lives, we cannot hear God's call. We are distracted by life. It was a repeated call, not even, because it was delayed by his father, distracted by what he found in Iran. Maybe it was the demand of the challenge. When he thought further about leaving his father's house and his kindred and leaving his country, that, that, that's a struggle. That was a struggle for him. The demand of the challenge, what it was required? And for some of us, that's still the problem. The demand of the challenge. What it's going to cost us. What we're going to have to do. Maybe he had determined that he was too old to be moving and starting something new. Verse 4 tells us that this man was 75 years old. In our day and time now, that's retirement. You've been, you've been retired 10 years before this. 75. And I believe sometimes all the people think that they are finished, but maybe God isn't finished with them as yet. He, Moses started at the age of 80 to lead really the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was 80 years old. There was a brother in, in the Bahamas, he just died three Sundays ago, Frank Perry. Frank Perry, an evangelist, itinerant, preaching in the, in the southern United States, in the Bahamas. He's originally from Bermuda. He came to the Bahamas, just he and his wife, and two children. When he died, he left four children with about 50 to 60 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He really produced in the Bahamas. Really produced. But at the age of 88, until he died, even though he wasn't traveling, even though he was having physical and medical issues, he would get up every morning and set himself before his computer and give a devotional online on Facebook. And most of the time, it was the gospel. There's another brother from the Bahamas but he ended up living here in the state by the name of Hesker Johnson. My wife and I, I could tell you, we visited him, he used to be in sport all the day but now he's in glory and now he was set aside, hardly can go anywhere, still had his mind and he showed my wife and I a book with names of people he prayed for every day. Not only that, he wrote letters to influential people in the Bahamas who he thought need to hear the gospel. He sent them books. Just because you get old do not mean you're finished. There's still a call on your life. Maybe you can't do what you used to do, but there is something that you still can do. Even if it's just praying, and I say even as if that's not important. (laughs) That's very important. Even if you can get on the phone and be an encourager to people. Maybe he had determined that he was too old to be moving. And that's why. That's why God said God had to call him again. God is still calling. I don't care how old you are in here this morning. You cannot say, well, I've done my part. I can sit back and relax until the angel calls or the the trumpet sounds. Or the dead angel passes by and takes me. It was a repeated call. But it also was a revealing call. In verse 1, 2, and 3, four times the phrase, I will, it said, I will. I will make of thee a great nation unto the land that I will show thee. I will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. I will. It was a revealing call. This call revealed God's plan for Abram. I will. Notice, it was a plan to take him to a new land. To a new land. To take him out of the earth of the Chaldees, and bring him into Canaan, the land of milk and honey. Bring him into the place where God would have him and where God would produce to him a great nation. And so it was a call for God to take him to a new land. When God calls us, is to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Sometimes it's geographically. But many times it has to do spiritually and emotionally. He wants to give us a new mindset. He wants to get us out of our comfort zone. It was a plan to make him great. (laughs) After the word says, to make him a great nation. The nation of Israel. Israel when we read in the old testament they did become a great nation and they still are a great nation it was a plan to bless him verse 2 god's plan was to bless him and as you read his life you see god working in and through his life conforming and changing him and bless him in his old age and his wife sarah with a son at the age of 100 wow God did bless this man. It was a plan to make his name great. The three world religions, major religions, reveal Abraham, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. He is mentioned in 16 Old Testament books and 11 New Testament books. His name, he is called the Friend of God, His name, you and I are the seed of Abraham spiritually. God has made his name great. It was a plan to make him a blessing. Verse 2 again. It was a plan to bless them that bless him and curse him that curse, uh, uh, bless him that curse him, sorry. It was a plan to bless them that bless him and a curse to curse them that cursed him. Again, we see that working out even in chapter 13. When he he was in disobedience, when uh, this king took his wife, God still intervened and threatened him. And every nation that subjugated Israel ended up either disappearing or becoming a non-entity. Every nation, beginning with Egypt. Every one of them. But it also was a plan to bless the whole world through him. Verse 3. Wow. It was a revealing plan. A revealing call. God says through you, I am going to bless the entire world. And we see that coming to fruition. seed of Abraham. Even our Lord Jesus. And so now we are preaching a gospel that is affecting the entire world. People's lives have been changed down through history because of their faith in the Lord Jesus. And it comes out of the lineage of Abraham. And so in revealing his plans, plan for Abraham's life, God God still didn't reveal everything. What do you mean by that, Brother Kevin? Well, how was God going to make Abraham's names great? He didn't know that. You and I know now. How was God going to make Abraham's names great? How was he going to make him a great nation? And when? Abram didn't know that. When and how was the world going to be blessed through him? He didn't know that. What I want to emphasize is that God has a plan for your life. When God calls, he calls because he has a plan for your life and mine. Just like Abram, God has a plan. And he reveals this plan just as he did in the life of Abram in a progressive way. One step at a time. Because I believe if God shows us the picture and the plan for our lives, It'll startle us, some of us will go into depression. Because some of the things that God might take us through, we don't want to see that ahead of time. No, I don't. I don't. And so his call is progressive, but we must be willing to respond positively to his call in our lives. And to the degree that you and I respond positively, God will reveal his will and his plan to our lives. He will. I got saved on August 5th, 1979. That's 40 plus years ago. August 5th. August 12th, I was sitting almost in the same spot that I got up and walked to the front. And my uncle was preaching on that Sunday evening, the 12th. And as he was preaching, I said, "Like the Spirit of God, and I said in my heart, that is what I want to do. That is what I want to do. Now, did I begin preaching? No, right away. But that's what I wanted to do. God planted that in my heart. And I tell people, I believe I was called to preach second Sunday after I got saved. Now that might not happen to all of you and all, everybody else, but that's happened to me. But I didn't immediately jump into the pulpit. I got involved in church, in our local church. I drove the bus. I mowed the lawn. I got involved in a Sunday school. I became a Sunday school teacher. got involved with our youth, became the, one of the youth leaders. Conducted Bible studies with young adults and young married couples, and to develop and develop and develop until 1993, when I stepped out into full time ministry. I got saved in '79. I got saved in '79. Progressively, though, God going on little mission trips in the Bahamas to this island and to that island, sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, being involved. You see, God calls people who are busy doing something, who are involved. There's a revealing call. God is still revealing to his people. What has God been saying to you? What has God put upon your heart? What is God been revealing about his call for your life? And maybe you have been so distracted, not even, you don't even know if God has a call in your life. You need to be still and know that he is God. That you may hear as you read the scriptures and allow the spirit of God to speak to your heart. He will reveal his will and his plans for your life. It was a revealing call. But it also it was an efficacious call. The word efficacious simply means producing or producing or capable of producing the desired effect, having the intended result. God expected Abram to obey, to say, Yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Send me. And we see him. We see him obeying God in relation to leaving his country. He partially obeyed. He didn't leave all his kindred because he began with his father. When his father died, then he still took his nephew Lot. But yet we see God in his graciousness, in spite of Abram's partial uh, obedience, he brought him into the land of Canaan. There is an expectation by God that when He calls His children, when He says to you, This is what I want, He expects us to do it, to obey Him. Here I am, send me. Like Isaiah of old. Send me. And many of us take the the mindset, Lord. Send them. Send him. Send her. Not me. Not me. And we always, you know, we pray. and And we need to pray this. Lord, send missionaries. Send out missions. But we never stop to think that maybe God has been calling us to the mission field. It was an efficacious call, producing or capable of producing the desired effect, having the intended result. It was a call that demanded a decision, and a positive decision. God is calling you this morning. We expect you to give a positive decision. Not only was it an efficacious call and a revealing call, a repeated call, a challenging call, a personal call, and a divine call. I want to end with this. It was a rewarding call. It says in verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram. The Lord appeared unto Abram. Wow. He appeared. Verse 1 says, God had said. Now it says, God appeared. A theophany. God looking like man appeared, come in the form of a human being or angel or doesn't tell us what God showed up as. But because of his obedience to God's call in his life, he experienced an intimate call from God, God appearing to him. What I want to leave with you and I is this. Obedience to God's call in our lives enables us to have a greater intimacy with God. This is what the Lord Jesus says in John 14 and 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. That word manifest means to exhibit in person or disclose by words. The Lord Jesus says, I will manifest myself to him that keepeth who. Who, who hath my commandments and keepeth them, who respond to me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and, and will manifest, exhibit, cause him or her to have an intimacy with me that they did not have before, did not experience before. I will make myself known to them. You see, beloved, that's the crux of the matter. If you and I want to have an intimacy with God, we need to respond to God in the manner in which He expects us when He calls. When He calls. It was a rewarding call that he got to experience God in an intimate way. You want to have an intimacy with God? Respond to His call, obey Obey him. Obey him. Obey him. I close with that which I began with. The little boy. He's not ready for me yet. He's not ready for me yet. Like I said, many of us are like that little boy. Thinking that when God as when God calls, we could delay and we could put it up and say he's not ready. When God calls, he is ready for you. When God calls, he knows you are ready for what he wants you to do. He's already equipped you to do it. When he calls. The question is, are we listening? Are you listening? Am I listening to the call of God? Those of you who are not saved here today, you need to respond to his call of salvation. You need to trust him as Savior. You need to be the one who says, Lord, be merciful to me as sinner." Recognize that Christ died for you on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sins. He became your substitute. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot pay for your debt, sin debt. What the Lord Jesus Christ did. When you trust Him, God applies His righteousness to your life. He justifies you, declares you righteous. By faith, you trust in Jesus and repent, turn from your sins, place your faith in Him. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust Him today. And if you are a believer, you are saved. You are a believer. God has called you to a life of sanctification. and Service. Service. Put away the sin. Put away the disobedience. Say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. Use me for your glory. May we pray. all heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know where you are in terms of your salvation. God knows. You are a believer in relation to your sanctification and your service. Maybe God said spoke to your heart this morning. Want to experience salvation? Just slip your hand up. I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Is there one? Maybe as a Christian, you want to say, "Brother Kevin, pray for me. I want to, I want to live a greater life of sanctification, separated to God, a life of service." There any? I'll pray. See that hand. Anyone else? See those hands. Matter of fact, all of our hands should be here. <laughs> all of us, all of us. Father, thank you that your ears are always open to our cry. Thank you that um, man, look at the open of the parent, but you see the heart. and you see exactly where we are, whether we are saved or not saved, whether we need salvation or we have salvation. But I pray, is there one here who do not know you are savior? unto yourself, bring about conviction that they may respond to faith to the gospel call. I pray for your people here this morning, those hands that went up and those that did not, that there will be a greater desire to serve you and to live a life that is pleasing to you, that you will be honored and glorified, that you will make a difference for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Pastor. If y'all could stand and join me as we close Um, the question that you have.